sledgehammer you know the video um was on tv a lot and i loved that song then the main thing i sort of took as my own was prince's music but then i remember being at secondary school and sort of being like oh there's that there's that album so by peter gabriel that i heard a lot in like 86 87 when i was a little kid i want to hear that again so as a 11 or 12 year old i listened to it again and and it stood up for me it sounded really really good and i i loved it as a whole album i loved listening to the way that one song would end and i would be ready for the the keyboard part of um the next song to to start you know i could i could anticipate all of that and i loved the emotional quality of songs like don't give up and in your eyes and then having kind of rediscovered peter gabriel in the early 90s for myself rather than it just being my dad's and my brother's sort of music i then bought the album us when it came out 92 um yeah so i would have been 12 and i went to tower records with a friend and i would do that like most weekends go and buy a new cd on the weekend with a with a friend of mine from school and so that was one where i think the singles had come out like uh steam right. and digging in the dirt and they would play on the radio in the car on the way to school when my dad was driving us to school and i always enjoyed those and again i loved the videos we had mtv from about exactly that point onwards from like maybe 92 onwards and um, so i had this sort of build up to a new peter gabriel album from those radio singles and and videos and i liked them and i bought the cd singles and then bought that album us So then I then I listened to that loads, and it was kind of my, it felt like this thing of my own that I I had a experience with listening to on headphones, listening to on you know at home and a kind of private relationship with it rather than it just being this thing handed to me from my parents or something. And yeah. obviously it's not super it's not super rebellious music. It's not 
it's not like I was into grunge. I was listening to something that I knew was also what my parents liked, but I guess I was introducing that album to my dad rather than the other way around. And then went to see that Secret World concert with my dad, and that was the that was ninety three, and that was the very first gig I ever went to, like a, a rock really? concert. That was the very yeah. I mean, Stephen and I were talking a little bit about it, but that <laughs> that show and the way that it's presented, Stephen was like, "I don't know if I'm mad at you or glad that I th- that you showed me this." Because he didn't know what, really that there was a film. I don't think I didn't. I wasn't that familiar with it. But it's kind of hard to uh, extricate it from your thoughts about the uh, the album. Maybe once you've seen it, once you've seen the white, tidy, whitey white pants and his like lab coat outfit. Do you have memories of what what you actually thought in the moment watching Secret Live live? Yeah, what I remember was I knew that it was by directed by this guy Robert Robert Lepage. I remember kind of my dad buying me the program, and maybe we did a bit of reading about who Robert Lepage was, who had done the kind of staging of it. So it felt like, oh, I kind of know I know I'm going to something that's more theatrical than your regular rock concert because my dad is quite interested in the theatre. So I think. He took an interest in that side of it as oh. much as anything. My dad likes to kind of prepare for things and read up on things, and you know. So, so we kind of um, went with that in mind. Maybe he knew his work or something. Um, I remember thinking it looked amazing at the time. As a, I would have been thirteen. You know, I remember the staging of it being impressive rather than. I wasn't I wasn't at an age where I'd look at that kind of concert and think it was naff or embarrassing, you know. I hadn't got to that point where I, what I wanted was like a kind of US indie singer who doesn't have anything on stage other than they're like I hadn't got into things like that. So I was used to Prince who has an amazing look and stage show and Peter Gabriel um so Peter Gabriel was the first show I went to and Prince was the second show I went to. Wow. So then, yeah, all of the theatrics of it, the the telephone booth and him being connected via the phone the Yeah, phone walking cord. for like, like 50 feet with the wire pulling out of the booth. Yeah. I mean, and the I guess I was, rising from the ground for the first song, Come Talk to Me. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed to, it seemed to kind of elevate the, emotional content of the music for me as a kid and i thought he did it really well and then i was really amazed to see sinead o'connor come out because for the show i went to she was the vocalist on come talk to me and blood of eden and and i'd listened to that album us so much and heard her harmony singing with him and the f- the very first record I bought was Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. So so I loved the fact that Sinead O'Connor was like in this sort of, I didn't realize at the time that it was like only a very brief relationship they had, but it was exciting to me to see that singer, Sinead O'Connor, up there with Peter Gabriel. Like, I, I guess I knew they were kind of going out with each other or whatever. Oh, there was some romance. The Prince connection again with, with Nothing yeah. Compares to You. I just want to say for the record, I don't think that the 
the show of Secret World Live is uh, embarrassing or or cringe. <laughs> I although one could make the case that it is, and I think that that comes down to something about Peter Gabriel that either you are like on board or not with, and I think a lot of people maybe. Maybe that's sort of the task of Jokerman covering Peter Gabriel a little bit is like analyzing what that is, what about him uh, might be kind of repellent to one's um, sort of uh, minimalist leaning indie sensibility. Uh, but he comes from a, a sort of post irony place. Yeah. And I think we're finally culturally getting to be done with an irony cycle and getting back into, a, into something that's beyond that. And I think it's saved by him having a pretty, I wouldn't say he has a sense of humor that's particularly palpable as much as a sense of joyfulness that is hard to argue. Yeah. That really equals the same thing for me with, when it comes to Peter Gabriel and it's something I see in Hot Chip as well, and obviously yeah. in Prince. It's like, Prince isn't funny, but there's a, just a sheer exuberance and lust for life and joy of making music. I think Prince is openly funny sometimes and, and kind of wants you to... Like he will make jokes within songs, and he will like wink or smile like, you know, do a kind of look to camera in videos that's like acknowledging humor. Yeah. But yeah, but at the same time, it's not like the main thing going on. I definitely agree with you about that sense of joy in a hot chip show that is beyond irony and is trying to just be very straight, straight up and, and straightforward and emotionally honest and and that's definitely something there in Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Um, I think it's so funny to think about it in these terms because I remember, you know, clinging on to something in Peter Gabriel's music that I was trying to sort of bring into Hot Chip in some way. Like we started to cover that song In Your Eyes mm-hmm. live um, in the, uh, like, around 2005 or six or something, we would, we would put an interpolation of it into the song boy from school. And I felt like I wanted to connect what we were doing with that emotional warmth and that joy in his music. And I suppose it's, yes, it's what you were referring to earlier about the production of his music, trying to make it, as is kind of interested in being innovative and being accessible at the same time. Yeah. And it's about taking the song away from just what it was like on a piano or a guitar or something. And I was a but to say all of that, we started out as a band where we were all all anyone would say about us in reviews was it's so full of irony huh. and it's and it's kind of not for real and our, no one could see anything serious or earnest in it because it was 
it was more like a ween or something in terms of the jokiness of it. And so people really, really took that as the main thing, particularly in the UK press. They, every question was like, are you for real? Or, you know, is it a joke? And there were these bands around at the same time, like Goldie looking chain that we were unfortunately grouped in with. And it was hard for us to be taken seriously, even though what we wanted to do was both, we wanted to have our cake and eat it. We wanted to be taken seriously and be able to have a sense of humor within the same song, you know? Yeah. Um, but the other thing I, felt was that song come talk to me stayed with me and i think i must have been re-listening to that album us many years later uh because when we wrote the song ready for the floor uh, yeah the lyrics in that are all about talking and communicating i was really aware that it was echoing the sentiments of that song but I didn't say to the rest of the band, I'm trying to make a song like Come Talk to Me by Peter Gabriel. Do it, 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 do it now. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it now. I just sang my words and and my words were as direct as his. So my situation was I was sat in a room with all of Hot Chip and I felt some awful tension in the air. I felt like Joe, who'd made the music at that point for ready for the floor and it was an instrumental was waiting for me to deliver the pop vocal hooks that the song needed and and something wasn't happening and so out of that tension was me speaking about um instead of remaining silent or kind of running your fingers down the black back down down the chalkboard and hearing that kind of screeching sound that 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 wasn't something he was doing he wasn't running his fingers down the wall but i i felt like the tension in the room was equivalent to somebody it was was equivalent to somebody sitting silently but angrily waiting for something to happen and i was like well why don't you just say what's why don't you just say whatever it is And so that's what my words were about. Instead of, I said, carving up the wall, which doesn't really make much sense. Why don't you open up and talk? And then it's a kind of togetherness, um, you know, sentiment in the chorus. We, we are ready to do this thing, which is to basically make a pop song that will land and people will dance to it on the dance floor. I mean, I really feel the same uh, emotional core there as it, the, those two songs have a, a similar effect on me anyway. I, I do find that they're cathartic yeah. in that way. When he says, till we're both on the same damn side, that's a moment that I really appreciate. You can't say it any simpler. There is no simpler way to just be like, let's, at, just like your song, like, let's just do away with this. Like, it's about shaking away that... Uh, whatever barrier separates yeah I can imagine the moment bringing out through the silence all the things that we both want to say 
on the same downside, all the values more.